Good morning, Glenville family. It's good to be with you this morning again, and I and I hope you're enjoying this series. We're almost done with it. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about repenting of sin. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, demonstrates the nature of sin in our hearts through this fun illustration. What do you do if you want to find out if there are rats in your basement? Lewis says this, well, you don't walk to your basement door, clear your throat, <clears> throat> Yell, I think I'll go down and see if there are rats in my basement. And then jiggle the handle and slowly but loudly walk down the steps. And when you get to that bottom step, then flip on the light and you look around. And guess what you say? Well, what do you know? There are no rats in the basement. No, if you want to find a rat, you must surprise it. You sneak up to it and silently open the door, you flick on the switch, then you jump to the bottom of the stairs and you look around to see if there are any rats scurrying to hide. That is how you discover if you have rats. Based on this analogy, Lewis wrote this. The excuse for most of my sinful moments is that I didn't have a warning. The temptation was so sudden. The temptation was so unexpected that I was caught off guard like a rat who didn't get enough warning to run and hide. Lewis concludes with this thought. How a person responds where sin catches them off guard is the best evidence for what sort of person they are. Ouch. Let's be honest with ourselves. Take a flashlight to the nooks and crannies of any of our hearts and sin rats scurry away to hide in the darkened areas of our hearts. So what's the cure? What's the cure for sin that hides in our hearts? Well, Scripture says it's confession, repentance. Now, that word repentance is a scary idea for many of us because we have this picture of standing in front of thousands of people and and we uh, divulge our deepest and darkest secrets. And so it's a scary thought. But in Scripture, this idea of confession, yes, it is in community, but typically in a community of a few close brothers and sisters in Christ. And we repent, we, we confess for this purpose. Repentance is God's gracious renewal. The renewal occurs as we turn from sin toward God. When we repent, God moves towards us to forgive us, but also to bring the righteousness that we desire into our lives. He imparts that righteousness to us. So repentance is God renewing us. But after God renews us, that's when the real work begins. That's when we need to begin to go to war with the sin in our life. Now, I'm sure most of us here have heard of the seven deadly sins. But what you may not have heard of is how this concept of the deadly sins was tied to the five stages of temptation becoming sin. There was a monk named Father Maximus of Mount Athos. Created, he created these five stages of temptation in the 14th century. And what I love about these stages is uh, that he explains is how they're based off of James chapter 1, verse 14. And here's what James 1:14 says. But each person is tempted 
when they are dragged away by their evil desires and enticed. Now, taking this verse, Maximus created a battle plan to attack temptation. Now, by understanding these stages, you'll be like a soldier who knows their enemy so well that you can actually anticipate their next move. Recognizing what our enemy, the devil, will do next, we will then have the power to resist his allure to sin. So let me share with you the five stages of temptation. Here's stage number one. Assault. Assault. This is when evil thoughts first attack our minds through what we see, hear, and think about and read. Stage two is this, interaction. It's in this stage that now our emotions get involved and the spark of desire or the craving for evil is ignited within us. I want you to catch that in this stage, the thoughts join with the emotions, and as they strike together, they ignite this spark of desire. Stages one and two are what we would typically call temptation. An evil idea has come into our thinking, but we have not daydreamed about it. We haven't done anything about it, nor have we taken steps to act upon the idea. The enemy is merely tempting us. Now, it's in the temptation Here's what's surprising. The temptation is not, not, is not the sin. That begins to happen in stage three. That's called consent. In stage two, the craving is just a spark that can be easily snuffed out. But in stage three, this is when the spark begins to be fanned into flame of desire. This happens as we imagine as we, as we fantasize about carrying out the act we're thinking about. At this point, the soul is mentally sinning as the act is being carried out in our thoughts. That's stage three, consent. We're visualizing it. We're fantasizing about carrying it out. Then there's stage four, captivity. This is when the mental act becomes a real action. No longer do we just daydream about it. Now we take action on it. We we act out on the sin. Previously, we just rehearsed it in our mind. But here's the danger. If the action is repeated more than once, the sin has taken us hostage. It now becomes difficult to avoid the sin. If you want a sign, if you want a sign that you are a hostage to a sin, look for the rational lies that you tell yourself to justify that sin. Where rational lies exist, Christian holiness has been abandoned. And that leads to stage five, passion or obsession for a sin. This is when we habitually look habitually look for the opportunity to satisfy our passion. It's also known in modern context as addiction. Now, I want you to look at those five stages of temptation. Assault, interaction, consent, captivity, passion. Look at those five stages. Knowing how the enemy works, 
At what stage are we at our greatest strength and advantage in fighting temptation? Of those five stages, where do we have the greatest advantage to beat the temptation? In stages one and two, right? In stages one and two, our strongest weapon to defeat temptation is to resist it. James chapter four, verse seven says this, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's make this more personal. I want you to look at the five stages again. Currently, when faced with the temptation, at what stage do you make the decision to begin fighting? Now, most people, most people wait until stage three, consent, or stage four, captivity. And at that point, you've already been defeated by the sin. It's too late to start fighting. In stages three and four, who has the power advantage? Our enemy, the devil. He's already hooked us with the temptation. Now, don't share it. But what stage did you say you begin to fight? What would happen if you began two stages earlier? Let's say you begin fighting at stage three. Maybe you move it up to stage one. Or if you begin fighting in stage four, move it up to stage two. With God, his word, and Christian community, you would have the advantage again. Uh, There's a fun little story of a family who was visiting Yellowstone National Park, and they learned an important lesson this day as they were visiting. You see, bears, bears are smart. They were driving in the park, and the family spotted a black bear, and they decided to take a few pictures from inside the car. But something they didn't think about doing before taking their pictures was locking the doors. The bear approached the vehicle and managed to grab a hold of the door handle. And with kids screaming in the back seat, the father managed to shut the door, but not without a whole lot of effort. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But stories like these are helpful reminders that sometimes, Sometimes, even when we feel safe, the dangers surrounding us are more complex than we can understand. So how do we engage in this fight against sin? The best advice I can give you in fighting sin is this, to determine to fight daily. You always need to be on guard. You always need to be ready to fight the enemy. In fact, Peter Peter tells us it's not bears we wrestle but an enemy who is sneaky, dangerous, and as smart as a lion who is hunting a gazelle. Peter tells us that we should be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The person being devoured is the unexpected one, the one who's not ready to fight. Now, we can't defeat sin in one mighty battle, never to deal with it again. It takes a daily effort, sometimes an effort that's hour by hour, because we are attacked by evil ideas trying to distract us from holiness all day long. Once we're aware that we're under attack by evil thoughts, we then need to call for help from God. We call for help. David Willis from Texas, uh, he was browsing through some books at, at a bookshop. 
Well, Willis said that he was upstairs in the shop for 15 minutes and he finally found the book he wanted and he walked downstairs. And when he walked downstairs, he realized all the lights were out. He went to the front door to leave and it was locked and he could not unlock it from the inside. Well, Willis began to panic. And so he posted a call for help on Twitter. Well, you can imagine how unhelpful Twitter was. Instead of getting help, the help he requested, there were hundreds of people who posted replies to his call for help. Here are some of the things they said. Some of them asked him if he was taking the opportunity to read some really good books. Other people asked uh, or commented on how they would love to be locked in a bookstore. And then there were some that were a little less helpful. More than one suggested, hey, why don't you take an opportunity and build a fort out of the books? Willis finally tweeted the bookshop directly. And he said, hello, I've been locked in your store for two hours. Would someone please come down here and let me out? And soon they did. Isn't it nice we don't have to go to Twitter to call out for help when sin is ready to pounce on us? Our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father is always waiting to hear our call for help. As Isaiah says, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. God is a a cry of help away from helping us through the temptation. Fighting sin in stage one or two is as easy as calling on help from God. But what if, our, what if we're stuck in the sin in stages four and five? In stage four and five, sin necessitates our partnership with community. To recover, to get out of it, it necessitates community where we go to war with the sin through the weapons of confession and repentance, accountability, and training with others who can help us replace our bad habits and thoughts with godly, Christ-like habits and thought. We need other people when we're in stage four and five. The Apostle Paul wrote this, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Romans chapter eight, verse five. Paul is referring to what is known as Christian affections. The inner desires and character traits that grow in disciples as we move forward and towards being like Christ. When we build our lives on the values, beliefs, and teachings of Jesus, it changes our internal desires. Jesus taught this, good people bring good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up in their hearts. Luke chapter six, verse 45. In Christian community, the changing of our desires takes effort. It takes time. It takes practicing new disciplines that bring us freedom. Disciplines like prayer, meditating on God's word, fasting, solitude, service, and as we mentioned earlier, confession. But God can help us break free of sins that have their hold on us 
in stages four and five. So to wrap up, Kenneth Boa gives helpful advice on how we can be alert and submit to God every time we encounter temptation. And here are the three things he tells us to do. Number one, identify the root source of the sin. Where's it coming from? Number two, name the category of temptation. What he's referring to here is 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, what it says is this, for everything in the world, now here are the categories, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh. He's referring to sexual sins, physical violence, gossip, substance abuse, gluttony. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. That's a reference to envying or coveting. And the pride of life. The pride of life. Uh, a hunger for power to build up our ego. Uh, wanting credit and glory for something that others did. Desiring to be held in high esteem. An obsessive desire to feel value or more important than others around us. So John says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, catch this, these come not from the Father, but from the world. So name the category of the temptation. Is it the flesh, the eyes, or the pride of life? And then finally, he says, find a way to focus on Jesus. We don't overcome sin by trying to avoid it alone. We do it by setting our focus on Jesus so we are not distracted by the enemy. Ask yourself this question. What does Jesus offer that is lasting and better than the sin that is before me? That's a powerful question. Because sin, sin is the result of disordered love. We change what we love by learning to love what Jesus loved. We change what we love by learning to love what Jesus loved. That's what we need to pursue this week. Go to war with temptation by learning to love what Jesus loved. Let's pray. Good Father, we come before you with hearts broken over our sin. Lord, help us to realize and understand that you do not despise us, but you will give us mercy as we acknowledge our sin. Father, help us break free from sins that have a hold on us so we may return to the way of holiness and following Christ. Protect us, Father. Protect us from the wounds we have inflicted on ourselves by our sins. And Father, may we hide your love, may we hide in your love where we are safe to heal, where we may be restored, and where we may be remade by the life of Jesus in us. Renew us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.